Good morning. Will you stand with us and sing our call to worship from Psalm 72? pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Blessed be
Father, we praise you for your holiness and power, for your wisdom and beauty. And as we come before you this morning, we praise you especially for your grace made known to us most clearly in the person of your Son and our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we who were once far off and those who were near can be united as your family, heirs to the promise and children of peace. For those of us here this morning that find it hard to trust in this promise, we ask that we might find welcome and rest by the power of your spirit. For those of us who have come to rest in your mercy, may, you, may your grace unite us in truth and bind us by your love, that we may, your church, be a balm to a splintered world and a refuge for the weary. Father, in the midst of the many shadows that surround us, the shadows of disease and physical pain, the shadows of financial worry and the toil of labor, the shadows of a world filled with war and destruction, give us eyes to see you amidst, you amidst both upheavals and persistent suffering. We ask that by trusting in your provision, we may be a people marked by our humility and love by your word and presence this morning, and by the power of your spirit, mold us into a people eager to lay our gifts before the Lord of life, that may, we may truly have life and have it abundantly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, children are dismissed for children's worship.
Um, we will now continue our service through um, confession. We'll do so corporately by word and song, and then we'll have a time for a silent personal confession. God of grace and truth, in Jesus Christ, you came among us as light shining in the darkness. We confess that we have not welcomed your light or trusted your good news to be good. We acknowledge your verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light. Merciful God, we acknowledge that we are fearful of your light because we do not want our deeds and trespasses to be exposed. We are ashamed and do not want to be seen. Have mercy upon us. May we know not only the truth of your light, but also its abounding grace. Amen. silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that when we are low, 
you meet us with a still, small voice. That we, when we bring our bruised reeds and our weak, smoldering wicks into your presence, you hold us up and shelter us. Forgive our wanderings and weaknesses, and bless us that we may walk with confidence in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Um, just as we've been welcomed by the Lord, let us welcome one another. Awesome, awesome. Cheers. 
The New Testament lesson is from Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 12. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is hidden what is, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Um, and the gospel lesson is from Matthew Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, that we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Grace. Well, as um, <clears throat> we've already sung and read, uh, we're observing uh, Epiphany this morning. Now, Epiphany uh, was actually yesterday on Saturday, and it's the day that is traditionally 
associated with the arrival of the Magi in Bethlehem to worship Jesus, like what we just heard Grace read to us from the gospel lesson this morning. And the word epiphany, it, it means to show or to make known or to reveal. So on the one hand, uh, epiphany looks back to the incarnation of Jesus as a way that, that God has made known to the whole world that he is going to redeem his people in his world. It's a way of looking back. I mean, think about it, right? When the Magi bowed down and worshiped Jesus, it's this beautiful little local, localized snapshot of what God's intention for the world is. The light of Jesus is, is not just for one people in this one particular land, right by the Mediterranean Sea. No, it's a light for the whole world. As the Apostle uh, John, he says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. But on the other hand, Epiphany also looks forward. It's about our place in the story. My place, your place, our church's place in that story of what God is doing in the world. I mean, the Magi, they worship Jesus and they are never the same again. They leave that place and they take that light out into the world. And that's our vocation too. We're called to, to reflect the light of the incarnation out into the world. And that's why um, you know, I'm glad we're going to be in Isaiah 60 this morning. Because Isaiah 60 is about the light of the glory of God rising on its people. And it's also about the inevitable radiating glory reflecting out from its people into the world. So let me read Isaiah 60 for us, um, verses 1 through 6. Feel free to follow along in your order or a Bible or just listen as I read. This is Isaiah 60, 1 through 6. <clears throat> Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they, they all gather together, they, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you will see and be radiant, your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. This is God's word. It's given for our good. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, we, uh, we come to you now as best as we are able, with open hands and open ears and open hearts. And we ask that you would meet us in all of the places that we are. Meet us there and show us your son who is seated, who's seated at your right hand, praying for all of us right now. Show us his grace, Father, and change us by it. We pray in his name. Amen. <coughs> the joyful shout and the sound of weeping. 
the joyful shout and the sound of weeping. That's how the, the book of Ezra describes this moment in the history of God's people. This moment that Isaiah 60 speaks into, the joyful shout and the sound of weeping. I mean, this part of Isaiah, it addresses a time after God's people had returned from many long, dark years of exile. They were back in their land. They were back home. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and so you can be forgiven to, to, to figure that this moment in the common life of God's people in this part of the book of Isaiah addresses that moment that would be filled with joy, that it would be filled with, with happiness. But of course, that wasn't the whole story. Yes, God's people had come home, and that was good, <coughs> but they were kind of like strangers there. <coughs> their houses and their livelihoods had been taken away while they were gone. And now they had to do that physically hard, that demanding physical work, the emotionally difficult work of rebuilding everything that was lost. They were home. Yes, and that was good, but they weren't the same people anymore. They had been tempered by loss and by separation. They were home, but they were aware that they were fewer in number than when they had left. Fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers had been separated. Some had even fallen prey to, to violence. So they were home, and that was good, but they were not whole, and they felt that. And so the end of chapter 3 of Ezra, it captures this bittersweet moment. <coughs> and I mean that, uh, that word in the fullness of it both bitter and incredibly sweet. You see, Ezra captures that moment perfectly with a picture of a particular day, right? This day when the foundations of the temple that had been destroyed when they were carried off into exile, the foundations of the temple had, had been rebuilt. And Ezra tells us about this day when all of the exiled people from Jerusalem, former exiles, they had come together and they see these foundations to celebrate. And absolutely some of them cheer and some of them celebrate. <laughs> but some of the older ones who were there, the ones who were old enough to have seen or know about that first temple before it was destroyed, <clears throat> the ones who are old enough to account for the loss that happened, they could not celebrate. As Ezra tells us that they wept while the others cheered. <coughs> he said, you couldn't distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. A time of happiness mixed with sadness a taste of glory, a taste of restoration, a taste of newness mixed with a taste of loss. Happiness over promises that are kept, joy over, over promises that have, that have been kept, but an awareness that things 
are not yet as they should be, the already and the not yet. In other words, uh, real life, <laughs> life like you and I live it every single day, right? The epiphany life with the glorious light of Christ coming into this world behind us <clears throat> and a task in front of us, a very real life happening all around us. And it is into that moment, into those bittersweet years that the prophet speaks to the people and he says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is from the prophet, an invitation to get up. <laughs> and we have to hear it as precisely that, to get up from whatever you are in the midst of doing, get up from whatever you are in the midst of feeling, to open your eyes and lift up your heads and look and see what is happening all around you. That he's telling them this long night has finally passed and the, and the sun is blazing in the sky with all of its brightness and all of its warmth, but you will never see it with your head down. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I think that's a really good word for me and you. <clears throat> we've just come through this season of remembering that Jesus came as one of us to us in order to redeem us <clears throat> in order to remake this world in order to establish justice and peace to begin <clears throat> a new creation we just come through this season where we remember that and, and celebrated it and we have said to each other that, <clears throat> that it is the truth around which all of reality coheres. We've reminded ourselves that it is our true hope in this world. That it is the best hope for the broken world. We've, we've confessed it and sung about it and prayed about it. We've given each other gifts to celebrate it. We've laughed. We've traveled. We've slept in. <laughs> we've done all the good stuff, right? But it's easy to slip back into whatever that thing is that keeps our head down in the bitter and the sweet. And for some of us this morning, maybe it's just a sense of fear and foreboding. For some of us, maybe <clears throat> it's just a worry about the future that seems uncertain. For some of us, it's just maybe the pervading cynicism that exists not just in our culture, but in our own hearts. For others of us, it may be the, the grinding resignation about things that don't seem like they will ever change. Or maybe it's a, a feeling of despair, or maybe it's the, the appetite that we all seem to have for being distracted. Or maybe it's the appetite we all seem to have for being too busy in our school, in our work. And we slip into that thing, we slip into that web of things, and we forget the good news, and we forget the truth, and we forget the hope, and our head goes down. So just think for a second, what is that thing for you? What is that set of things for you that drags your head down into forgetfulness, 
just think about that for a second. That, that, and then hear this. Hear this as an unqualified invitation to look up and see what you could never see with your head down. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If you are one of those people who like to make resolutions at the changing of the year, let me suggest that this would be uh, certainly be a good, really good resolution. <laughs> that is to, to make space in your life every day to lift your head up and remember the good news of the gospel. Right, to med meditate on it for a few minutes, to, to pray over it for a few minutes. To remember the gospel and to think about it, what it means for you and what it means for the people that you love, what it means for your work and how you go about it, what it means for what you do with your free time, what it means for your giving or for your service, what does it mean for this broken world around us, what does it mean for our neighbors and, and, and make space, make space every day to do that. And I promise you, I promise you that, that that will make a difference in the living of your life. It will make an everyday, a real life difference in the way that you walk through the world. Well, Isaiah goes on. He just, uh, he piles up all of these images of light and darkness. He paints this picture first of a, of a world that has gone dark. He says, it covers the earth. A thick darkness covers the people. And then out of nowhere, this tiny spot of light, it dawns in the horizon, and it begins to grow. And then he tells them, here is where that light is coming from. God himself is rising on you. It's coming from God. <laughs> and it's good to remember that this is as true for God's people now as it was for God's people then, that these, their, their moment in life, that bittersweet moment is very much like our bittersweet moments in life. Whatever it is that we are facing now, whatever it is that we are feeling now, whatever it is that we are suffering now, whatever it is that we are questioning now, fearful about in our lives. Friends, we are not doing any of those things in the darkness, but in the light in the light of the gracious presence of Jesus. I don't think I'm saying that uh, in a naive way. <laughs> I don't mean that in any kind of naive way. Because yeah, the brokenness, <clears throat> the brokenness in this world is real. It's all around us. We continue to hear about the violence in our country, right? Mass shootings land with a haunting normalcy now. War and terror and the casualty list that, that follow are uh, a grim reality for many parts of our globe. There is poverty around us, injustice around us everywhere we look on our very streets in our neighborhoods. Those that we love battle with unhealth, 
sickness and disease. I mean, we struggle with the difficult or painful relationships that are breaking or are broken that seem like they can't be restored. I mean, some of us live every day with the pain, the pain of abuse from our past that really isn't just our past. I mean, we struggle to be the parents, the friends, the, the spouses that we want to be. And some of us made resolutions seven days ago that we thought would be really good, and we've already broken them. So yeah, sometimes <laughs> you cannot tell the difference between the joyful shout and the sound of the weeping. We live in longing for something more. And friends, every one of those things, every one of those things, the good and the bad, from the greatest to them to the least of them, are completely, completely bathed in the light of his glory and grace to us. They're covered in light. <clears throat> Our lives are the intense subject of God's greatest work, he is furiously devoted to the good and the flourishing of his people. So look up, look up and see the, the, the sadness and the joy. They are both bathed in light. God knows he knows what is happening in your life and he is making it new. And Isaiah knows this. He, he says these incredibly audacious words to these bedraggled people. He says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. I mean, just think about that in the, in the context of their lives. They are back home. They are shifting through what remains of their common life, of their personal lives. And they're just trying to get through life, let alone do something great. <laughs> and Isaiah tells them that, that a day is coming when nations and kings will stream into Zion when those silly ruins will become the focus of the world. And that's what the rest of Isaiah 60, verses 4 through 7, is about. It's, it's Isaiah, stroke by stroke, painting this elaborate portrait of what God's intention for his people are. The language, uh, it's amazing, it's poetic, it's filled with metaphor, and it points beyond those physical moments, those physical years, to this thing that that we learn from Jesus that is called the kingdom of God. But the bottom line of what he says to his people it is very simple. He says, God's people reflect his light to the watching world. And the watching world will be drawn to him through him. The light that shines on them will shine out from them into the world. And Isaiah, he uses the image of pilgrimage and the image of tribute to talk about this. First, there's the, this pilgrimage where people from all over the world are magnetized by this light and they come to it. He says things like, they're, they're all coming together, they're all come, coming to you. They come from Midian and from Ephah, they will come from Sheba, and this is Isaiah's way of saying they are coming, they're going to come from every corner of the globe to you. And when they come, they will not come empty-handed. 
This is the language. It's the language of tribute, that they will come with these treasures. They will come with the things that they are known for, these, their specialties. The best camels from Midian, uh, the, the best sheep from Kedar, and the rams and Nebaioth will minister to you. And they will bring gold and frankincense and, as well. And you hear that? <laughs> Makes you think of the Magi, right? The gifts that they brought to Jesus, and, and believe me, it's, it's not a coincidence. This is the snapshot of the deep truth of Isaiah's words. And no doubt, what was one of the sweetest and dearest images, Isaiah tells God's people that their own sons and daughters will be carried back when the nations come. He says their children will be carried on the swing hips of the nations as they make their way to Zion. He says, then you will see, you will be radiant and your hearts will thrill and exult. In other words, things that you never thought you would see, restoration that you never dreamed could ever happen, it will happen in and among and around God's people. If you have ever, uh, well, if you have been in Chicago for a long time, time or even a short time, you know there are spots, spots where the skyline of the city uh, really pop, truly beautiful, majestic views of the city. And I suspect if you found one of those views, you probably know that the best views of the city, the ones that are, are great any time of the day, become absolutely heartbreakingly compelling when the sun is on them. When the sun moves over to the west and the entire skyline is burning with a shimmering orange glow, you just have to stop and stare because it's magnetic. It's heartbreakingly compelling. And that, friends, is exactly what Isaiah is saying about the light of God when it lays heavy and glorious and bright on people like you and me. It's deeply compelling, and you can't take your eyes off of it. It is a a sight for sore eyes, looking for light. And I can't think of words that would be, that would have been more meaningful to people who are living in that bittersweet moment of the joyous shout and the sound of weeping. I mean, what more could you say? What more beautiful thing could you say to those who live in the already of the coming of that light? and the not yet of looking for things to be set right forever. <laughs> and so, friend, and friends, God is telling them, hey, the people are not going to come to the brightest, the brightness of your rising because somehow you figured out how to put the pieces of your life together. He doesn't say they're going to come to you, they're, they're going to find you so compelling because you've stopped suffering or you've stopped struggling with whatever it is that you've been struggling with, or because you have it all together, or because you're really good at your job, or because you're really good spouses or parents or friends. No, he says you will be compelling in the midst of your suffering and in the midst of your sadness and in the midst of your concern. And while you struggle, because you are bathed in the light of the glory 
of God. Bathe with the presence of his grace, not because they earned it, but precisely because they never could. And now that grace is, is changing them into the people that they were destined to be. Friends, that is the good news of the true light of Jesus that came into the world. Isaiah saw it with the eye of faith, and we are completely, completely bathed in it. This, I think, is what Jesus was getting at when he said to his people, you are the light of the world, and the city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light, the light the watching world sees reflected in God's people is his light. And as we, as you and I, live lives of repentance that are ordered around that grace, the result is inevitable. We're changed by that grace. We begin to seek the good and the flourishing of other people before our own good and before our own flourishing. We become people who are gracious and willing to forgive and quick and happy to admit when we are wrong. We seek justice and we love mercy and we love our neighbors and we love even our enemies and we pray for the people who hurt us. We become open-handed with, with everything we have, our time, our money, our, our talents, right? This is it's the kind of change that the Apostle Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians. He says, we all with, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to another. Friends, these are the kinds of people that this broken world is thirsty for. These are the kinds of people that this broken world is hungry for. These are the, pe the people that Jesus is making us to be. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Let me pray for us. Father, help us to hear and to see and to believe, to believe that you have in Jesus given us everything that he's risen with healing in his wings and that we are the objects of that love. Help us to believe in, in earnest, full of faith, even when we find it hard to, to, to believe that we are the ones who reflect your light and love out into the world. Give us the strength. Give us the strength to be who you called us to be. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. The king shall come when morning dawns and light
God of every nation, by the light of a wondrous star, you led the Magi to the humble infant Jesus, revealing to them your salvation for the world. Lead us to Christ that we may offer our worship and serve him with sincerity. The tender mercy of our God has come down from on high, giving light to those in darkness and guiding our feet in peace. The Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. Giving light to those in darkness and guiding our feet in peace. This table, we remind ourselves uh, each week as we come, is, is a, a picture. It is an image, something that we can see and hold and even taste that tells us about who God is and the nature of his kingdom. This table, we see uh, the picture of, of light shining on those in darkness. For we have been invited in Christ to come to the family meal of God, to come and gather as his people around his table. And our place at this table is not because of what we've done in the past or how we've been successful in certain things. Our place is not because we promise to do things right in the future. <laughs> Usually the kids all come back at once. It's like they're coming back, you know, one at a time. <laughs> um, but our place at this table is not because of what we promised to do in the future. And, and this is so important. It's not because we found our way out of the darkness. But God in his grace goes and seeks us out in the person of Christ. This cup and this bread tells us of his broken body and his shed blood and tells us that our place at the table is a gift. It's a gift in his grace from beginning to end. Our place at his table is always because of his gracious love towards us. If you know of that, if you know of your need before God, that you cannot entrust yourself to find your way out of the darkness, and if you've trusted Christ as the light, then come and eat and drink. Come take your place at the family meal. Be nourished and encouraged by his grace that we may walk in peace with him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table. We thank you for this bread and cup. And we pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would meet us, that you would nourish us, you'd strengthen us, that we'd find again the wonder of your light. You are the one who lifts up heads bowed in shame. You're the one who grants forgiveness to sins that we feel like can never be forgotten. You grant us a new name, a new identity, a path of peace in life. We pray that you would meet us in these places and give us hope to stay. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. 
Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this, uh, drink this cup and eat this bread, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle to receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back to your seats on, on the side. I asked if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion today, we're glad that you're here, and we still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now. Let us come and receive the gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand if you're able, and that we can pray and sing together as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, the Magi brought you gifts at your nativity and offered their lives to you in worship. With thankfulness and joy, let us offer ourselves and our gifts to God as we join together in praise. basis, we have uh, mission partners that we support and work with to come and share with us in the service, and so I'm really thankful that Justin can be here. So Justin, coming up. Justin, if you'll see a note here, is the executive director of the Lincoln Square Friendship Center. Uh, Lincoln Square Friendship Center is a, is a, a special place for, for us as a church. We helped uh, be part of it and when it was getting settled at that location, and very thankful to be part of it uh, all these number of years. And so Justin's going to share an update, and then we're going to offer prayer for him in the center. Thank you, Justin. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, I'm Justin Block. I'm the executive director of the Friendship Center, and i um, so pleased to be able to provide an update for you all. Um, uh, you all are tremendous partners uh, and supporters of the Friendship Center, so um, I'm uh, having just completed the 2023, I'm, I've, I've got some numbers that are uh, kind of preliminary, but wanted to share. For folks who are not familiar with the Friendship Center, we are a food pantry. We're just on... Um, uh, uh, Lawrence Avenue, just west of Western, right by um, right across the street from Gross Park. Um, we are uh, we offer um, folks to come in and get groceries whenever they like, uh, four days a week. We have a hot meal service uh, once a week on Thursday evenings. We do home deliveries on each weekend. We have a pet food pantry once a month, and then um, we also have uh, someone who helps uh, folks with uh, SNAP and other benefits uh, applications, as well as connecting them with other resources in the community. Understanding that if they're facing hunger, they're probably also facing a wider range of challenges in their lives as well. So with that, um, like I said, fresh numbers, I was literally just uh, finishing tabulating them this morning. But um, in 2023, uh, we these are all record levels I'm, I'm proud to, to talk about. We distributed uh, 1.14 million pounds of, uh, ch of food that we receive either from the community directly through grocery rescue or from the Greater Chicago Food Depository. That's the first time we've ever surpassed a million pounds, so very exciting. We did that to 49,000 neighbors facing hunger. 
Um, and so that, to put that in perspective, that is a 53% increase over 2022 and a 95% increase over 2021, almost doubling in two years. So we're really thrilled to be able to increase our capacity to do more and help meet the need in the community, knowing that um, the need is there. And so that incredible trajectory just means that we're doing a better job of meeting that need. Uh, hot meals uh, in that time um, are up 72%. And I say that because this congregation helped us uh, purchase a new, um, a new uh, stove that allowed us to do more. So I really wanna, um, I, I appreciate that and wanted to let you know the kind of impact that that's having. Um, and of those 49,000 neighbors, over 10,000, 10,145 are visiting us for the first time. And that includes over 100 of our um, asylum uh, seekers, of our new neighbors that we see every week. So the, the, the need is real. We're growing to do more in the neighborhood um, and really try to meet, meet that need. So what's next for the Friendship Center? Um, we're continuing to explore expansion opportunities. If, if anyone's been there recently, you know how um, jam-packed we are. So we're looking to perhaps expand our existing space as well as perhaps in the, in the near term, in the mid or long term, uh, try to perhaps open up a second location to try to meet the need in our 10 square mile service area. So again, I appreciate all your partnership and support. Um, if you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me. I know that Nathan is also mentioned in the update for volunteer opportunities. Either one of us would be great. I just appreciate it, thanks, and thanks so much. Thank you, Justin, for all your work. Let's pray for Justin in the center. Lord, we give you thanks for Justin, and we thank you for all the different staff and volunteers that help uh, make the center uh, what it is. And we thank you also for our, our church and its support, but all the other people who support um, by financial finances, prayer, or volunteer hours. And Lord, we come and we just ask that you continue to provide. Provide, uh, as Justin mentioned, in the short term, but also the long term to let it be a place that is welcoming to neighbors and meeting needs. And Lord, we especially we think of neighbors who are facing uh, food insecurity. Uh, Lord, we lament. We lament that we live in a, a culture full of abundance, yet people go without. And so we lament that, but we also give thanks that the Friendship Center exists as a place of welcome, a place that can, people can express their need, a place that people can receive help with dignity and care. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless all those who are part of receiving help in that center. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Justin. I encourage you, if you have questions, as Justin said, to grab him afterwards, and he can tell you more about the center or about ways to help if you'd like. We're going to continue worshiping through a time of giving. Uh, you'll see in your order of worship uh, that uh, we can worship by giving offering to God. And so, um, I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. There's uh, a basket you can put your communion cup in. And then there's also a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift. If you'd like to give a gift, you can also do that through the church's website or by text. You'll see in the order of worship. I uh, also just want to say welcome, especially if you are joining us for the first time. We're glad you can be here. Um, there is uh, in the center aisle, if you're sitting in the center aisle, underneath your chair, there's a, blue, a black uh, information pad. I invite you to pick that up and fill it out and pass it down so you can know who you're worshiping with. And then if you are... Um, uh, relatively new to LSPC or just start coming. If you'd like to share your information, I'd love to be able to follow up and tell you more about the church um, as well. So I encourage you to pass those down. 
Uh, they're under the center aisle uh, chair. Uh, also, just as a reminder that we have coffee and hospitality after the service, coffee and bagels, I should say, uh, in the hallway right behind me. Uh, so please stay after. You can make your way and grab something to drink, get a chance to chat and, and find a bagel uh, from Beans and Bagels that we can enjoy. Um, let's continue worshiping through the giving uh, of our gifts and offering to God. Please stand and join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son,
receive now God's blessing. And now may the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.